This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi everyone, it's Bunny here. This is the last special in-between episode before our season two premiere next week. And for this last episode, I wanted to share a talk with you that I've given at colleges and at events. And the talk is how to tear down the wall between you and your higher self. Just as a trigger warning, I do tell a story in this talk about an abusive relationship that I was in. So if that's something that you don't want to listen to, you might want to skip this one. Okay, I hope you find this talk healing. Here you go. I'm confident that everyone listening to this wants to live in a loving and accepting world. I'm confident that everyone listening to this wants to love and accept themselves. I'm confident that everyone listening to this thinks we would be living in a much more loving and accepting world if more people love themselves. And I'm confident that everyone listening to this, despite their talents, their strengths, their tenacity to succeed, still struggle with loving themselves and feeling like living in a loving world is even a possibility. What does it mean to love yourself? Self-love has become so cliche. I remember when I saw it in an ad for Victoria's Secret, I think it was around Valentine's Day, something along the lines of, you don't need a boyfriend, buy something for yourself, hashtag self-love. But do we even know what self-love is? What it looks like for each one of us? We say we want to live in a more loving and accepting world, but how do we get there when we can't even define what it looks like for ourselves? We're living in a time right now where our awareness is growing exponentially on a personal level and on a collective one. Every day we hear another tragic news story, another shooting, another act of racism, another case of sexual assault. These are not new occurrences. History tells us that. But what's different now is that we're fed this information on a 24-hour news cycle. Not only does this feel overwhelming, but for many of us, these news stories trigger our own personal wounds and our own personal experiences with these things. And they're just a click away at any given moment on our devices. Every day we log into social media and image after image, tweet after tweet, we're confronted with judgments, competitiveness, jealousy, doubt, body image, isolation, FOMO, likes, follows, unfollows. We feel forced to conceptualize our identity into an easily understood brand that someone can choose whether or not to pay attention to. We're on display 24 hours a day, not only to other people, but to ourselves like a mirror to how we're seen in the world, vulnerable to any criticism, especially self-criticism. I'm not going to pass judgment on whether this new technological reality is good or bad. What I'm saying is that it has forced us to confront our very deepest fears, our very deepest empathy, and our very deepest traumas. And when we are confronted with the behaviors and thought patterns that are no longer working for us, we're left with two choices. Number one, 
to deny or look away, which will perpetuate the cycle of abuse, neglect, and complacency. Or number two, to face that which has lied dormant in the shadows of our consciousness so we can make the necessary changes to love and accept ourselves and live in a more loving and accepting world. And the thing that has lied dormant in our consciousness that we must now bring to the surface is called your higher self. The concept of a higher self has been used in many religious traditions and spiritual movements. In Christianity, it's sometimes referred to as a fragment within us of the Holy Spirit. In Buddhism, it's the Nirvana Sutra. In New Age, it's sometimes described as a higher level of consciousness or an awareness of the divine within you. I define it simply as the shift in your awareness to the love and compassion that you were born with. It is your true self. It's the natural intelligence of love. We think we don't know how to love ourselves, but the truth is we've always known. We're born knowing. Loving ourselves now is an unlearning practice. It's unlearning the judgments, the fears, and the conditionings that have covered up our higher selves for countless generations, leading us to the brink of what I consider collective self-destruction. There's enough food on this planet to end starvation. There's enough resources to end poverty. There's enough people that want peace to end war. Don't we sit in our beds with all the evidence of how courageous we are simply by getting through the day and doing our best? And yet we tell ourselves that we're useless, we're untalented, that no one likes us, that we're worthless. Some of us feeling so undeserving that they've convinced themselves they don't even deserve to live. Your higher self knows that you do not need to attain anything in this world to matter. Your higher self knows that you are no better than anyone else and no one else is better than you. Higher self is not a possession. It's not something you acquire from yoga class or drinking lots of green juice. Higher self isn't given to you by your partner or even by your family. Higher self is a state of awareness, an awareness of who you truly are. It's the awareness of love. And yet so often, we choose the opposite of love. Why do we keep making the same mistakes? Why are we so unkind to ourselves, which inevitably makes us unkind to other people because we treat people the way we feel about ourselves? I mean, why are we so resistant to love? I like to illustrate with you the four reasons why I believe we don't choose love and why so often we don't let our higher selves guide us. Number one, we're taught the opposite. We are born with the instinct to give and receive love. We naturally allow ourselves to be cared for without questioning whether we deserve it. Then we grow up and we're socialized. And in that socialization, we are told that we are good or we're bad depending on what we do. Rarely are we told that we're inherently good. No, we're told that if we do A, B, and C, then we will become good. And here is this ice cream and here is this toy as a reward for our goodness or worthiness of love. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and in our elementary school, we had a program for quote unquote gifted children. And in order to get into that program, you had to take a test. And I remember in the third grade, I really wanted to get into this program because my older sister had gotten to it. And when I did, I felt really, really good about myself. You know, I felt like I was smarter than the other kids. I felt gifted. Flash forward decades later, and my little sister is raising two twin boys. They attend the same elementary school that we went to, and the school has still has the same gifted program. Both of her twin boys take the test, but only one of them gets in the program. One is awarded, one is praised, one is gifted. We are constantly using language that enforces hierarchies of worthiness. We don't even realize the impact it's having. 
When I was in elementary school, I wasn't more gifted than the other children. I learned in a different way. Imagine if every school taught us that we were worthy for no other reason than simply being ourselves. But no, we were taught to seek validation outside of ourselves, through our grades, through our looks, and now as adults, through our jobs, our partners, our money, our productivity. We're still basing our validity on these visual cues, these rewards. And we were taught this by some very well-intentioned people, many of them just trying to achieve what they were taught would bring them worthiness. But the lie we've all invested in is now showing its face. We see over and over again people with all the privileges, all the material possessions, all the opportunities, all the success, deeply suffering internally, so far away from that unapologetic self-love that they were born with. It's proven itself to be an empty promise. And if you've ever suffered from abuse, which is so common in a world with no infrastructure for love, it made you feel unlovable. You are not unlovable because someone didn't know how to love you. That was their shortcoming, not yours. You are not unlovable because this world doesn't prioritize an infrastructure for love. That's its shortcoming, not yours. I had a therapist tell me once that my parents love me the best way they know how. And I think that she was right. And I also think, had my parents not rejected me for being queer when I was 15, had they accepted me and loved me despite their own fears of queerness, their own fears of being a parent of a queer child, it would have been an incredibly healing moment for them. It would have been such a step forward towards their own healings of their scars of neglected childhoods because they would be helping to end its loveless cycle. It was a missed opportunity. Loving yourself is an unlearning process. Your higher self knows that you are not given a guidebook and is compassionate with you at every step of the way, reminding you how absolutely worthy you are. Number two, we don't listen. I can't tell you how many times I've told myself I didn't know what to do in a difficult situation when the truth was I didn't actually want to do what I knew I needed to do because it felt easier to stay in a loveless situation. It's what we're used to. So often we don't listen to the truth inside us that wants to be heard because love doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It means it's going to be worth it. Choosing to look at the world through the lens of your higher self requires accountability. It requires taking responsibility for your own healing. It requires trusting what your heart knows to be true, even sometimes when it scares the shit out of you. When I was in my early 20s, I fell in love with an artist and musician that I really looked up to. We moved in together. And one night, I was drinking with their friends. I started freestyling about a bunny rabbit running around Brooklyn. And the next day, my partner was like, let's start making music together. And so we formed a band. And it was really fun at first. You know, we got to tour and we got to do it together. It was just really, really great. But after a couple of years, we got really caught up in, you know, trying to be successful. And we were really stressed out and we fought a lot. The first time my partner hit me, I remember knowing immediately after that they had crossed a line, that there was no way I could stay with them. But they convinced me that I had caused them to hit me, and I accepted that. The physical violence started becoming more frequent. I was locked into closets and hotel bathrooms, and eventually the abuse became sexual. I had put so much of my own validation in my partner that it didn't matter how bad the fights were. I just wanted us to stay together. If I lost them, I felt like I would have nothing. 
And yet when I look back on those years, I deliberately didn't tell my family and my friends what was going on. Why? Because I knew it was wrong. I knew the people that loved me would try to convince me I deserved better. I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to quiet as best I could that voice from the depth of my heart, the voice of my higher self who knew exactly what I needed to do. I quieted it with drinking. I quieted it with drugs. I quieted it with simply staying and engaging in more fights. I was deeply afraid to listen to my higher self because that meant I was accountable to what I and everyone else on the planet deserves, to be treated with love and compassion. Eventually, when I had no money, no phone, and was bleeding from my face, I walked out the front door of our apartment, asked the cashier at the bodega for a quarter, and called another friend. I knew that meant the end to all the things that had made me feel valid, the music project and my partnership. But deep down, there was something more powerful within me that I could no longer ignore. It was the love that I was finally listening to. The thing is, the more we listen to our higher selves, the easier it is to hear. It's a practice. It's not something that we're used to doing. But even when we don't listen, it's always there, waiting for us to acknowledge its truth. Number three. We want more of the wrong thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting material things, a nice house, a nice car, designer clothes. There's nothing wrong with that. But our higher selves are asking us to be very mindful as to why we want these things. What is so common now is that we as a society are misplacing our need for more. The truth is we need more love. But because we don't know how to access it, we keep attempting to fill the void. I have many friends who worked very hard to become successful at what they do. Most of them are artists. And yet when they finally meet their goals of having a big audience or making money off their art, which are totally great goals to have, a lot of times they're shocked at how short-lived the happiness of accomplishing those goals is. Once they reach a certain level of success, there's always another level to compare themselves to. Once they make a certain amount of money, there's always more money to be made. The thing they thought would bring them happiness and validity had an expiration date. When the things we thought would fulfill us no longer serve their purpose, we move on to the next thing and then the next. And it doesn't have to be material things. A lot of times it's relational. When we don't know how to access our self-love, we can attempt to fill that void with romantic partners. Sometimes one at a time, sometimes many at a time. Using relationships and possessions to fill an unconscious lack within ourselves becomes destructive. There's another word for this. Greed. Greed is a plague on our world. The sickness of wanting more of the wrong thing when what we really want is love is why our planet is on the brink. It's why CEOs don't pay their workers a living wage. It's why people can't let go of institutionally enforced privileges. The need to have more and be more than other people has dangerous consequences. And then what happens when there's loss? What happens when you aren't the most popular artist or you don't get the job or your partner leaves you? If you're not grounded in who you really are, you will suffer beyond what's necessary. We can find our way out of this endless void by knowing our higher self, by being grounded in that which is not a temporary happiness, but in eternal joy. The knowing that we can experience love with or without these possessions, with or without ownership or attachment, just allowing ourselves to simply be enough. That realization gives you a generous spirit. That wanting that you feel, that desire for more, is your higher self telling you that you do deserve more. You deserve to be more present to love. Number four, and the final reason why I think it's hard to choose our higher selves. 
We don't know what our purpose is. Why am I here? I know I've asked myself that question numerous times, usually right before a bout of anxiety and existential dread. But your higher self knows why you're here. You're here to give and receive love. That's it. Seems kind of boring, right? It's actually quite the opposite because everyone has a unique way of giving and receiving love. Some people do it through art. Some people do it through medicine and healing. Some people are writers. Some are parents. Some are devoted caretakers. Some are entrepreneurs. Some are teachers. We all have a higher purpose, a unique role to play in the awakening of love internally and externally on the planet. And our efforts are needed now more than ever. I spent a lot of years knowing that I wanted to be a successful artist. I was making art and music and I was acting. I knew it was what I was supposed to do. But there was always a part of me that never felt at ease with it. Like I was a phony or a fraud. I was so afraid of never making it. It was a terrible source of anxiety for me. Sometimes it would be totally paralyzing and I couldn't even make anything. Then in 2016, I was on Instagram trying to decide what I wanted to post. When that same anxiety came over me, I found myself wanting to post about that, about how I overthink everything, about how I doubt myself, about how much I struggle. So I made a split screen video of two of me and one was having a fit on my bed and one was watching me have a fit on my bed. I think I said something like when your higher self is having a bout of self-doubt and I posted it and I posted it and it felt really good. It felt like it was helpful, not to just me. Afterwards, I took out a piece of paper and I wrote this down. I wrote, what do people need now? Freedom to be themselves, a safe space, inspired to contribute to humanity, a unique voice, self-expression, to feel loved, respected, and appreciated, to heal from past trauma. And then I wrote, How can I help? It was the first time I had seen my art as a way of giving back. It was the first time I wanted to make it about something much bigger than myself. From that moment, I decided I wouldn't make anything unless it fit into one of those categories. You have been given talents, experiences, and insight that are uniquely you. Every time you're courageously yourself, you encourage someone else to be. And that is an exchange of love. That's your purpose. I knew for years I wanted to be an artist, but until I found a higher purpose for it, I didn't know how to receive the love it was trying to give me. It showed me its value. The form of what you do is secondary. The purpose behind it is everything. Now that you've heard these reasons why we don't always let our higher selves run our lives, I hope it will make it a bit easier for you to choose differently. I hope that you will take the time to listen a little more intentionally to what your higher self is telling you. You do love yourself. You are love. There's nothing that can take that away from you. And even when you have those days when you're so far away from that truth, you self-sabotage or something happens that makes you forget, there will always be a glimmer in the space between each heartbeat, the warmth of the sun, the stillness between thoughts that will remind you. You're never alone. Your higher self is always with you, ready to pick you up without judgment or criticism or regret, ready for a new opportunity to love. That concludes this episode, and with it, we conclude our In Between Seasons series. Season two starts next week. That means more questions and more answers. From the perspective of my higher self and yours, from the bottom of my heart and yours, it's going to be great. I can't wait to explore with you. 
If you love the show and want to be in touch with what's new, follow us on Instagram at exohigherself. If you can, give us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It greatly increases our chances to reach new listeners and expand the community. And if you want to directly support the making of Exo Higher Self, along with access to bonus content, consider becoming a Patreon member by making a small monthly contribution. We couldn't do this without the support of our patrons. If you want to send me a question, record a voice memo and email it to xohigherself at gmail.com or call and leave a voicemail at 740-480-1216.